I'm Tom Shalou. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Steve Ducey, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, June 25th, 2020. I'm Trey Inks. Fighting continues in Libya as the country is reporting a sharp rise in COVID-19 cases. The ongoing civil war, the ongoing violence has prevented a lot of humanitarian organizations or international organizations that might be dealing with COVID from working in Libya. And then you have a severely trained Libyan health sector that under even the best of circumstances would be struggling with the violence and then has this layer of COVID on top of it. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Libya has been fighting a bloody civil war since 2014. As the international community gets more involved, the COVID-19 outbreak in the country continues to be a secondary issue. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from Tom Hill, a senior program officer for North Africa at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Starting first in Egypt, that is easing COVID-19 lockdowns this week. A nighttime curfew will be lifted on Saturday, and restaurants will reopen while limiting the number of visitors. The country has seen nearly 60,000 total confirmed cases and nearly 2,500 deaths. The developments follow reports last month that medical facilities in Egypt were overwhelmed with coronavirus patients. Now to Syria, that is still reporting single-digit deaths from COVID-19. The Syrian government of Bashar al-Assad is receiving medical aid from China, though experts worry that limited testing is not allowing for a clear picture to emerge about the situation on the ground. Syria is reporting just over 200 confirmed cases of coronavirus. Finally, in Libya, more than 600 people have tested positive for COVID-19. Currently, there are more international weapons being sent into the country than coronavirus medical aid. The ongoing civil war leaves many civilians uniquely vulnerable to the spread of sickness, including coronavirus. So what does the situation on the ground in Libya look like currently amid the spread of fighting and disease? Well, you've had, uh, in 2011, the longtime dictator Muammar Gaddafi was ousted by a popular revolution. And subsequently, you had um, a great deal of turmoil as the country tried to install its first democratically elected government. This is Tom Hill a senior program officer for North Africa at the U.S. Institute of Peace. In 2014 and 2015, the compromises that um, various groups had tried to negotiate um, produced what's called the Libya Political Agreement. It was uh, supposed to be an agreement that the parliament in the east with the the government in the the west and um, set the country on on a path towards stability. Unfortunately, uh, that agreement was never ratified. What you saw was a return to violence in 2015, or I should say an escalation of, of violence in 2015, and the emergence of a warlord, an American citizen named Khalifa Haftar, who um, in 2019 uh, launched an offensive to try to overtake the entire country and put it under his own rule. Uh, and, and he uh, has been battling against Um, the internationally recognized government based in Tripoli, as well as a host of international actors who are playing on various sides of this conflict for control. And the way or the situation we now find ourselves in is uh, with Khalifa Haftar in retreat back uh, to his uh, eastern stronghold and the internationally recognized government uh, based in Tripoli uh, on the offensive with the support of Turkey, most notably. You mentioned the international players involved in this conflict, and I think it's interesting because right now the entire world is focused on the fight against coronavirus, 
And Libya has also seen a spike in cases this week. But you've also got this ongoing civil war that has destabilized the entire country of Libya, brought in so many international players and put other things like hunger, disease and sickness to the side. So when it comes to coronavirus right now in Libya, what does the situation look like and how is the ongoing conflict playing into the ability of average civilians there from getting much needed aid? The ongoing civil war, the ongoing violence has prevented a lot of humanitarian organizations or international organizations that might be dealing with COVID from working in Libya. And then you have a severely strained Libyan health sector that under even the best of circumstances would be struggling with the violence and then has this layer of COVID on top of it. Now, uh, the, part of the reason why the numbers are believed to be depressed, the numbers of, of infected, is that both um, sides of the conflict, the, the government based in, in Tripoli, the internationally recognized government, and the um, uh, eastern-backed government that, is, that supports the warlord Khalifa Haftar, both sides have an incentive to uh, depress the, the numbers of infected and the numbers of, of people dying from COVID, principally because uh, the feeling from, from both sides is that uh, if the numbers are high, that indicates a lack of ability to govern effectively or to respond to health crises effectively. So both sides depress the numbers. The current numbers of only 670 people infected and 80-some-odd people uh, who have died, those seem incredibly unlikely. Um, And I'm not sure that any organization that has seen those numbers would validate those. Uh, We think the numbers are much higher. But, again, without adequate testing or the ability to get in, Libya and the support of the local authorities, it's almost impossible to validate. You've been listening to Tom Hill, a senior program officer for North Africa at the U.S. Institute of Peace. You talk about the medical system in Libya, and I imagine from city to city it varies, but generally speaking, let's say in Tripoli, where you would assume there would be a relatively high level of medical care, you've got a government-run city and international actors that have had access to this area. What does it look like in Tripoli? And then also talking about the countryside or other areas uh, such as Benghazi, what does it look like there in terms of access to medical care for people who may display symptoms of coronavirus? Yeah, so in Tripoli, the internationally recognized government has tried to deal with the COVID crisis. They... um, um, while they are the internationally recognized governing body, their control over Tripoli is really a loose affiliation of m- militias and groups that are anti uh, or fighting against the warlord Khalifa Heftar. And so this patchwork or mosaic of, of different actors and different groups with competing agendas uh, who are united you know, for a singular cause right now but actually share no uh, shared vision of the country or even of, of the city uh, creates an incredibly difficult uh, uh, health care system. Um, and so uh, even though Tripoli is the most modernized uh, city in the country or was prior to 2011, um, even there the, the, the effectiveness and efficiency of the government institutions to treat COVID is severely, severely hampered. Um, the National Center for Disease Control uh, has, has really tried hard to um, 
to institute a quarantine, to institute lockdowns, um, to stop the spread. Um, but it's been almost impossible to um, implement, um, especially up until um, March when the city itself was under a direct assault from the warlord Khalifa Heftar, and it looked momentarily like uh, Tripoli itself may be overrun. So um, the, the response so far inside Tripoli, while it may be better than, than some other parts of the country, uh, by no means has been a, an effective response. Uh, outside of the city center, the, these are areas that are socioeconomically depressed and have been marginalized politically and economically for decades. The infrastructure to deal with a, a pandemic like COVID is almost non-existent. Um, the government has tried to move into uh, the largest town in the south, Sebha, with an effective COVID response. But um, thus far, much like the rest of the country, um, the very limited uh, resources that can be brought to bear are completely inadequate for the scope of the problem. Um, and we believe that a fair number of people um, uh, are not self-reporting COVID exposure or um, uh, because they don't want to go to hospitals, believing that hospitals may be targets for um, in the ongoing conflict. Um, we've seen target uh, hospitals be targeted in the past, uh, and that definitely has a um, uh, the effect of, of chilling people's enthusiasm for getting medical attention, even though it might desperately be needed. So, uh, even in these hinterland uh, parts of the of the country, uh, the uh, the resources that can be brought to bear by the government and the uh, local population to willingness to engage with uh, whatever outreach the government is providing is is quite disconnected. Um, and, and it's one of the many reasons why international observers think that the scope of the problem in Libya is um, nowhere near the, the reality or understood to be near the reality. You bring up such an interesting point in the fact that there are people civilians who are afraid to go to hospitals because they could be targeted. And it's part of this larger coronavirus story that isn't discussed as much when you're looking at conflict zones and the civilians that live in them and simply having access to safe medical care to either get tested or treated for coronavirus. What is the access like for international NGOs and organizations that want to provide aid to civilians amid this ongoing conflict and amid this global pandemic? Well, it's been quite difficult for international organizations to work in Libya. Many of them have, uh, who, who were present, pulled out uh, a year ago when the conflict really started to spike. In, in places like Sebha, which is a southern city in, in Libya, uh, COVID really spiked. Um, we believe that that's one of the epicenters of, of the COVID um, pandemic in the country. And it's also one of the least accessible. Uh, it's, a, it's a place uh, that's quite distant from, from Tripoli. Uh, flights in and out are sporadic at best. It's a part of the country that um, is largely governed by tribal laws and um, uh, groups that uh, have a history of uh, animosity towards the central authority and central government and are deeply suspicious of uh, outside influences, especially uh, Western and European influences. Um, and so getting into those communities to uh, provide relief uh, thus far has been virtually impossible. The whole question of access is such a major concept to look at 
during this pandemic, not only in Libya, but across the MENA region. Really incredible insight and important work that you're focusing on at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Tom Hill, a senior program officer for North Africa at the U.S. Institute of Peace. Tom, thank you again for your time. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com.